Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels of the Heart virtual conference series. It's been an ongoing segment where we've featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules, and, and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Bunston, CEO of Life Guides, uh, and we're building a platform for preparing people to do extraordinary good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people be happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Again, welcome everyone to Rebels with the Heart. This month's topic is the great ship, humanity at work. And we are really honored to introduce our guests today. Blessed to have their expertise and wisdom to share with you. I'm going to pass the microphone just in just a moment and let them introduce themselves. Again, welcome to Joy and Mark. And we had Edie as well, but she had, we understand she came up. So Edie, thanks for being with us in spirit. Joy, I'll pass it over to you first to introduce a little bit about you and who you are and what's brought you to this call today. So um, my name is Joy Rothschild. I have had my entire career in hospitality. I've been with Omni Hotels for 43-ish years. It's been with different... Um, owners, but I've worked for our car and owners since 1998. Love the hospitality business. It's in my blood. Um, I moved to Texas 25 years ago for Omni. I never imagined I would live here, um, but I'm here and, and I'm really proud of the company. Um, it's been a really tough few years and I'm looking forward to kind of talking about some of the challenges that we had and how we've overcome some and how we're still dealing with, with other ones um, and how the pandemic has affected HR specifically in our industry. Beautiful. Thank you for joining us. Looking forward to sharing more of your story in just a few moments. Mark, I believe I'll go to you as well to joining us today. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Um, Mark Levy, um, Spent most of my career in retail and hospitality HR over the last however many years it's been. Um, and always kind of chosen where I worked based on my personal values and my um, trust and respect for the organizations and the owners. Um, chose to work for a lot of big-hearted companies like Gap and uh, Levi's and learned a lot from the founders of those companies, the Haas family and the Fisher family, who all had big hearts and and figured out ways to bring humanity to the workplace. Um, probably the biggest um, achievement I've had, the most fun, the greatest privilege was the four and a half years I spent at Airbnb, where uh, three guys under the age of 30 had this crazy idea to invite strangers into other people's homes and it worked out really well um we spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to create belonging uh, in the world particularly one that was becoming very divisive and uh had the opportunity to help create a shift from what was traditionally called hr that when i joined Uh, The founder said they didn't know what HR was, but everything they heard about they didn't like, uh, to something that we called employee experience, which was basically came from a conversation where I said, well, you have a customer experience team that's focused on the customer. 
why don't we have an employee experience team that's focused on the employees? If we treat our employees like we want them to treat our customer, and for us, that was primarily our hosts who were delivering belonging to our guests. So excited to talk about that and other things around bringing Manu to the workplace uh, throughout the next hour. Beautiful. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you joining us. So, and again, for our audience, I'm Derek Lunson, the president and chief cultural officer of Life Guides, which is a platform that matches people who have been through a life experience event or challenge to provide empathy with the resources with someone who's going through that same experience. And we've still offered that to organizations to provide other people. They're exactly your point, helping them address the entire person in and outside of work. It's been a fascinating few years. Um, so I'll shift here. And we'll talk a little bit about the evolution of Rebels. I think it'd be good for you both to hear a bit of that story, Mark and Joy. But I'll start off with the question that we were talking about right before this call, which is the title of this session. What does it mean? What is humanity at work truly? What is this shift that's happening right now? And we've been going through it, I think, for several years, maybe preparing for it. And there's even more of a shift that's now emerging with what's going on. What does that mean to you? What does humanity at work mean to you? What are you seeing? How is it affecting you personally? How is it affecting your teams, organizations? Feel free to go with that wherever you would like to. Any, any of you can take this many points in time. So, I mean, I, I, would, I would tell you that we've always had a, a core belief that our company is a family company. We're family-owned. We want, we want you to feel like family when you work for us. And you have to put something behind that. And so we like to tell you we're here for you in good times and in bad. And one of the things that we espouse is we want to be the best eight hours of an employee's day. We want you to have the best meal you're going to have that day at an Omni hotel. We want you to be treated with respect at an Omni hotel. We want to be the place where you come, where you feel that you can bring your whole self to work and you're going to be recognized for that. And, you know, a lot of our jobs are unskilled labor. Um, you know, there are a lot of people of, of very limited means that come to work in a hotel or start their career in a hotel. And so we really have tried to find different ways to put our arms around people. We've also tried to say we want to be good community partners in the communities where we, where we live and where we serve. And so it's a very big core belief of ours that we have to show local market leadership. And, and you know, one of the examples I'll, I'll give, I, I've got lots of them, but, you know, we were, we, I, I probably seven or eight years ago, we launched something called Say Goodnight to Hunger. We started deciding to embrace the issue of food insecurity. So we said, you know, we looked at other hospitality chains and they were saying, book on our website, we'll give you a lower rate or book on our website and we'll give you double points. And it was always related to an, a reward for the customer. So we kind of put, we spun that a little bit and said, if you book to the Omni website, we'll feed a family of five dinner. And we've given out 20 million meals since we wow. launched that. We partnered with Feeding America. And we also have made it a, 
I don't want to use the word mandatory, but we have encouraged the hotels who have embraced it to say, take your employees to work in a food bank once a month. And lo and behold, during the pandemic, a lot of our employees ended up at those food banks. So say goodnight to hunger is just one example of how we've tried to show we care about the community. We care about you. We yeah. want you to care about the community if you work for us. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. I'm going to come back to a few things that you said in just a moment, Joy. Mark, I want to pass it over to you from your, from your lens on this question, too. Sure. Um, as you can tell from how I introduced myself, I've kind of never been sitting still relative to the HR profession. Um, and I always kind of took the perspective of trying to figure out how to help people uh, figure out how they belonged and how they could succeed and how they fit in and how they were connected to each other. Um, and throughout my career, um, that's kind of been the focus of how I've brought HR leadership to the various jobs and companies. Um, I've actually worked with a great part of uh, the Virgin organization, Virgin Unite, which is their social impact organization. Yeah. And they focus on both climate and culture, uh, climate change, as well as um, the workplace. And they have a part of their organization that I've been affiliated with for probably 10 years or so called 100% Human at Work. And that's been a great collection of, of people that have come together to try and tackle all of the topics, whether it's family leave or health and welfare or um, uh you know, how to incorporate people's family as part of uh, their benefits, you name it, and, and we've tackled it. And it's, it's been inspiring, exciting, and challenging. Um, and so I think that um, the notion of, as Joy said, bringing your best self to work and the responsibility of the organization, um, both to its employees, to its customers, to the community, and to their shareholders, and having equal value in all this is really, really important. Um, so, you know, this idea of, of humanity, I think, is um, something that I've tried to bring along. And to your point, kind of in the introduction, you alluded to this. I think when the pandemic hit and everyone had to figure out how to do this whole thing from home, and now as we try to figure out what's the next evolution. It was interesting to see how companies and, and leaders who were quite skeptical about people needing to be in the office and show their face and very micromanaged stepped up and really showed the potential for uh, people and, and, and workers uh, to be able to do things in a way that they probably weren't trusted to do for a long time. And, and now as we come back out of it and people are trying to make the right decisions on how to create connection and community and culture and belonging and where people can work and how they work, uh, it's very interesting to see how the power of who's saying what and who's got control over what the employment relationship looks like and how employee centered it is um 
is it's almost kind of the next evolution of what we're what unions were doing and now it's just empowered and democratized in the workforce to really help step up what it is um that humanity means and how it is that people can be both productive at work but also fully human uh throughout throughout the day and 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 their lives so a super interesting topic Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to dig in a bit more to some of what you shared as well. Um, I have a couple of different things. One is interesting observation, the fact that, Joy, you have a, a really a successful, established career in brick-and-mortar hospitality, in the hotel industry, in the hospital industry. And, Mark, you have that experience at Airbnb when it was disrupting that space. And now we've mutually gone through this period where Airbnb had to look at how they looked at their employee population and do some adjustments. Joy, I'm sure you have stories about how you managed and navigated that process. I want to hear some of that. And then going back to where the future is on that one. But I want to share a quick story with both of you all, kind of along the lines of what you were sharing, Mark. When we launched Rebels with a Heart, this, this series that we're now talking on, the idea is we wanted to find the leaders within companies who, who recognize the personal responsibility and the organizational responsibility to be advocates for people in and outside of work to create environments where people could drive no matter where they come from and give them opportunities to continue to do that and and to look at shareholder capitalism and stakeholder capitalism in a different type of way as we move to the future and so we we launched with this idea to say hey we believe there's rebels of the heart we believe there's leaders and organizations that embody this now let's let's spotlight them and what happened was we launched it serendipitously the very same week this was not intended that the lockdown happened and so the series took on a totally different evolution of not just highlighting leaders that were, that were advocating, but all leaders needing to adapt and organizations adapt and respond to leadership and crisis, creating new rules, new opportunities, and thinking through together in a, in a period where no one's experienced before and technology had, had matured in a way that we'd never experienced as a species before to create totally new different structures and, and it's continued to evolve. So I believe that this platform that we're talking on is part of that message for change and what's possible and bringing together these leaders in this community to do exactly what you were describing, Mark. So I just wanted you to, to know that, that we, we're all of that same point of view and that we all have a personal responsibility, I believe, for that caring of the collective. We talk a lot about self-care right now, and I believe there's a collective care and a personal responsibility that we need to all bring together right now. So with that in mind, I'll pass it back to go back to the future a little bit Joy, I would love to hear, you know, we talked about the fact that you went from, I think you said 23,000 employees down to 1,800, back to 16,000. That's wrought with a lot of complexity on a, on a business level, let alone the human element. Yeah. How have you and your leadership done that? And what are you seeing now? And how are you now creating the future around hospitality and, and talent? when you think through this and, and, and fortifying and building better, truly, not in a cliche way, but really rebuilding your business for the future yeah. with what you've learned over the last two years? Yeah. Well, That's a big it, question, but yeah. I think you can handle it. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it was a horrible experience furloughing that many people so abruptly. And I remember we... We're like, oh, this is only going to last 60 days. I'm sure all the hotels will be open again in June. So at first it was kind of a, this is a short-term thing that we all have to do. And every every hotel chain was doing it. And 
And then a couple of things happened. One is we did have some hotels that were reopening in June, a handful, because there was demand for medical personnel and National Guardsmen and nurses. So we had pockets of hotels that had to reopen. That was our first real dilemma is our corporate office is closed. And now you're asking people to go back to hotels and work. So how do you keep the corporate office closed when you're asking people to go into harm's way? And we just didn't feel good about that. So we, and I really struggled with this, but we said, we're going to open the office in June because we're asking people to go back into harm's way. We're going to have social distancing. I've got tons of space. We, We can isolate you. We can put you in your own office, but the office is going to reopen. And our whole mantra was, we'll meet you where you are. So if you're ready to come into the office and socially distant, we're here, we're open, and we're in the office. I tell you, a third of the people came back. Everybody else, I said, this is June. I said, call me in August. Let me know how you're feeling. Little by little, as people started coming back, I I probably had another third come back in August. And by the end of September, anyone that was going to come back, came back. I felt completely alone. I was one of the only companies that did it. Everyone was saying to me, how could you do that? But I would tell you today, when I see what companies are going through right now, where people have been home for two years and they're kicking and screaming about coming back in, I am so glad we did it the way we did it, even though I didn't feel that way at the time. Um, As we started to recover in the hotels, we realized a couple of things. Hotels have always operated with, Derek, you want to be a chef? You got to be available every day. Anytime I need you, you have to work at least 40 hours. We set kind of crazy rules. We realized that women that cleaned 14 rooms a day, which is backbreaking work, they don't want to come back and clean 14 rooms a day. So we started having to rethink our employment proposition. So we came up with something called part-time on your time. You tell us when you want to work, you want to drop your kids off at school and then come work and then go we'll figure it out. And so that was one of the first major paradigm shifts we had as a company, kind of let the worker tell us when they want to work and we'll figure it out. We also had to be a lot more flexible. I mean, our wages are up 27% from 2019. Our wages are really high. They haven't slowed down yet. Um, we're competing not with other hotels, but with Verizon and Walmart and Amazon and everybody else out there. And so you're having to look at carrots. And, and I think one of the most innovative things that we had to do out of necessity that never would have happened pre-pandemic, last summer, we didn't have enough international workers. You know, the hotel industry, by and large, 
in resorts especially, relies on international workers for season. There's sure. not enough people in the U.S. Well, we didn't have enough. And so because we're a privately held company, we said, we're going to cap occupancy. So instead of selling out the Omni Barton Creek Resort at 100%, we're going to cap it at 80 and we're going to house college students for the summer and they're going to service the guests. Because if we sell out and we don't have staff there, it's going to be a bad experience and you're never going to come back. So we really kind of had to rethink our business model, you know, with chefs. We're like, if you, if you come in, you get a signing bonus, we'll buy everybody a free set of knives, which are really expensive and you have them for the rest of your career. Like we just started throwing things against the wall and a lot of it stuck. Some of it didn't, but we've been trying to be much more flexible and kind of break the mold of the way the hospitality industry looked at our jobs. And unfortunately for us, our jobs are in, in a box. We can't, we can't work remote and be a desk clerk. We can't work remote and be a server. So we had to really think about how to introduce flexibility into the workplace and honestly, we were building the plane while we were flying it. Like we're yeah. busy. We're like, let's try this. So it was, it was, um, it was overwhelming. But I would tell you, we've, we, you know, I only have twenty three hundred jobs open right now. I have peer wow. companies that have seven thousand, ten thousand, wow. and and you know, we we just have to reimagine the workplace value proposition in a way that we never had to do before. Yeah. I'm going to come back to some of the things that you mentioned in that, but I want to go over to you, Mark. I mean, how is, what's popping, what's resonating for you? I mean, you, you have some understanding of this industry, both directly and through kind of in, in the Airbnb kind of space. You have a, you have a very, you have a wide experience of tech enabled businesses. How, how is your experience similar or different? What are you seeing? relative to this space and also other companies that you're supporting and your own personal kind of lens on the last couple of years in this regard. I know that you, at least historically, were a pretty public public traveler too, so you probably have that lens as well. Yeah, I guess I'd start, I mean, I think what Joy talked about is really impressive and I love the open-mindedness and the shift that they made. And I think that's, that's what probably was most exciting to me in the horrific time when we were all totally uncertain around what was going on in the world was to see that the principles around employee experience really almost necessitated the way you operated. And and those were really around doing things with and for your employees, not to them. And at the, at the foundation of that is the idea of co-creation and that rather than the CEO or the head of HR deciding what it was that should be the priority and how you're going to solve the problem. It was really, let's talk to our employees and see what's their issues, what are their challenges, and involve them in determining how to solve those. And it sounds like that's exactly what Joy is doing. And I think the companies that are that were successful during uh, the pandemic and, and are successful coming out of it are those that have adopted those ways of thinking. Um, you know, I think, I think companies that went fully remote without really thinking much about it because it was saving money or it was easier are having a really hard time figuring out how they create culture and how they motivate and create productivity with their employees. 
And I think the companies that went and said, let's pretend like this never happened back in your seats in, in industries that don't require it, it's very different. Like, like Joyce said in hospitality, they've got people saying, I'm sorry, I'm out. Like I have no interest in coming in just to sit at a desk. And so now what's coming up is this whole creativity and co-creation with employees around what are the things that would bring you to a place that make it meaningful? How can we help you to do your job better in ways where you are collaborating and communicating? I mean, a, a good example, and this is pretty early on, I was doing some work with Everlane, you know, a sustainable clothing company, and they talked to their employees and they came up with three different approaches based on the job that you have. So the folks that were touching the product um, was merchandising, design, marketing, et cetera. They were office first, but they weren't required to come in every day. There were very strategic ways in which they brought people in to collaborate and, and communicate and touch fabric and have conversations to determine like the next season. And then they had um, optionality and those were kind of like their corporate functions, HR, finance, legal, et cetera. And there were times when they were expected to be back in the office for uh, either functional, cross-functional, or all-hands meetings, but they could also work from home. And then they went remote first with two different groups. One was their customer experience team, which was on the phone all day, never interacting with the human being. And then their technology group, because those folks, for the most part, really excelled when they were home alone. And they didn't really like to or enjoy being with other people. And so that, there was very thoughtful intentionality around how they were going to run their organization while still having uh, and bringing people all together, but giving them the opportunity to do their jobs in a way that made sense relative to their jobs and, and the way that they, um, they could collaborate. So, I mean, I, I think that it's now... Um, an interesting situation. I, I was dinner her last night with a woman who's a recruiter and she was saying, you know, on the one hand, it's phenomenal because the, the places you're not constrained to, if I have a job in Santa Barbara, I have to find someone in Santa Barbara. You can right. kind of look anywhere depending on the type of work it is. But on the other hand, it makes it so hard to just figure out how, why do you spread your net and how do you how do you make those important choices around who's going to be good in this role and at this company a broader uh, pool of talent? Um, and, and then kind of going back to the humanity situation uh, theme that we started with, I think that the real challenge is how do you, how do you help people cope with or embrace or attack the the current situation around the continued uncertainty of, yes. of the pandemic or whatever else is coming next. Um, <laughs> this huge amount of optionality, the lack of structure and boundaries. And, you know, I think that's, that's where people got in real trouble where everyone was working from home and, and there, there was no, there was no way yeah. they could, take care of themselves, their pet, their partner, their, uh, their, uh, their kids. And so 
you know, now the question really is around take what you spent before and figure out how might you spend it in a much more thoughtful, intelligent way to help yeah, perpetuate what's happening in a, in a caring way where people do feel like there's a, a sense of belonging and there's a sense of purpose and there's a, a collaboration and understanding of the people that you're working with. Yeah. To that, to that point, Mark, I know you have the opportunity to interact with a number of different executive teams and leaders in this way. What are you seeing right now in terms of some of the kind of out there things that, that leaders are doing? That's one part of the question. And the alternative side, I'll say, Joy, you have the chance to work closely with executives and you've done that for, for kind of a period of time. How has your relationship with your executive team changed in terms of the level of authority and autonomy and, and empowerment they give you to create new, as you were describing, and, and what is that kind of different lenses of the same question? I'd love to hear your thoughts on each for each of you on that kind of point of view. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'll stick with companies that I know. Um, so I'm still close with the folks at Airbnb and it's really interesting. Cause like I said, our, our employee experience team was around creating belonging. And that happened very naturally because we had an environments team that were architects who, who designed the most amazing offices for us around the world. And they represented both the culture of the place where they existed, intersecting with um, the business that we were in and the core values of our organization. So a lot of our offices had different conference rooms and they were based on literal physical apartments or, or homes from around the world. Um, and we in San Francisco and, and our larger hub served three free meals a day. And it wasn't to try and keep people there longer. It was really to create a sense of community because I, I questioned like, why are we serving dinner? And it was because we wanted people to work up until the point where they felt like they were hungry for dinner. Uh, which was around six. It was only served from six to eight. And we wanted them to be able to invite either friends or family in to then have that, share that meal with them and not have them have to worry about getting home and making dinner and, or when am I going to see my friends or family? Um, but now that's completely changed uh, because the business model of Airbnb is around being able to live and work anywhere to perpetuate that. They've gone, I would say, where you can live and work anywhere. I wouldn't call it fully remote because the team that I led then called ground control is now trying to figure out how do we create this belonging and collaboration and connection when people can live and work anywhere. And so it's a whole new um, situation that they're trying to figure out. Some of the things they're thinking about is, and it's interesting because we, we worked through this when we ran out of space uh, we talked about how we might ask some of our employees to host other employees in their homes in neighborhoods all around the Bay Area because we'd run out of space in the San Francisco office. And the idea of creating that sense of community of people who lived in Rock Ridge or in Mill Valley or in San Mateo to like be a host and host people in their homes to live in or to work there during the day and you met people you didn't know before, and there was still this idea of an Airbnb office, even though it wasn't in an office. 
So now they're that trying to figure out, well, what's the next, what's the next version of that? And how do we connect people that are working remotely in different parts of the country to create that connection? One of the guys uh, that was on my team who was the head of workplace. He's now at Shopify and they've done some really interesting things. So while they were always fully remote, they also had offices around the world. And what they've done is they've taken down uh, their physical presence in those locations and they've opened up offices or they've partnered with other organizations to open locations in more destination locations, whether it's, you know, Wyoming or Barbados, and they are calling them Shopify offices. And so they're kind of taking what their employees like doing, listening to them and learning. And they now have a set of points that they can use each year to live and work somewhere else but they're doing it in collaboration with other Shopify employees. And I think that's super interesting um, and a way to take, take what happened and then keep it going in a, in a structured way that they're creating belonging, connection, and culture. Thanks for that, Mark. Joy, yeah. I'm curious to hear, I mean, you've been went with this as well on a different point of view. So yeah, I'm kind of interested to hear your response to some of this and how you're, you could use your space in different ways and also what you're doing specifically with working with your executives uh, and how they're trusting you maybe differently or giving you more. I don't, if that's true, I don't know. Tell us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say um, there's been so many articles written that, you know, since the pandemic now HR is the closest advisor to the CEO and HR has a bigger voice. And I, I would tell you, I've always had that voice. <laughs> Nothing's changed for me. But the, the conversation has certainly changed in the company that, you know, talent, attraction and acquisition and retention is absolutely positively the top priority. And, you know, we, we have seen other chains, I won't name them, but, you know, some chains have said we're abandoning stay over housekeeping service. We're just not going to offer it. We're going to check in and no one's going to go in your room while you're there. And we don't have the staff to clean it. Um, You can check in with your phone. You don't need to see an employee. You can order room service, you know, again, on your phone. At Omni, we say that turns us into Airbnb. No offense to Airbnb. They have a business model. It works. But the only reason... You're going to pick up Omni over an Airbnb is because you want some service. Otherwise, if you don't want to see a person, go to an Airbnb. So we feel it's really important to maintain our service edge. And that's why talent is so important to us because our service isn't as good as it was pre-pandemic. You know, we measure it through all sorts of third parties. It's getting better, but we're also becoming more strategic as a leadership team. And and, and I'll give you a very recent example. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the homestead in Hot Springs, Virginia, but it it it, it was yes. open 20 years before America's birthday. Um, it, it's America's oldest resort. Nobody's ever restored it. And so we are putting $140 million into it. We need a thousand employees 
to, to staff the homestead. And I'm about halfway there. There are not another 500 people in Hot Springs, Virginia to work at the homestead. Anyone that lives there that wants a job is already working for us. So we had a brainstorming last week at the homestead. We're like, how do we get managers there? Maybe we promise them their choice of property if they stay for two years. We give them a travel allowance. If you if you go to the Omni Homestead, you get 12 free nights a year as an, you know, at any Omni hotel. We have a special activities director for you to try to make it a more attractive workplace where pre-pandemic, we weren't thinking strategically. What's stopping us from getting people to Hot Springs, Virginia? Well, the number one issue is housing. We have built dorms. We can house 250 employees. But if you're a manager with a young family, you don't want to live in a dorm. And there's not enough sure. places to live. So we're actually buying land and wow. building houses and buying the houses to the market. Because... If we're going to put $140 million into this place, we need a talent strategy to go along with it. And I think yeah. that before the pandemic, if I went to our owners and said, we need to buy houses for managers, right. I think they would have thought it was nuts. But now it's not so nuts. Um, and they're willing to do I it. I love it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really quite exceptional. And it's, it's something we have, we have another one of our rebels on months back we were talking about similar they, they want to attract young talent to trying to figure out how do we create first-time phone buying programs as a benefit to these you know, these new hires right? so i think it's it, people are executives and companies are truly thinking way different than they were a few years ago because of this this kind of wipe the slate clean moment which i think is really exciting yeah uh, and, ahead, and, and i just yeah. i think that there's there's a much more open mind to trying different things and you know even in international recruiting everybody was trying to get people from different countries last year because we were all short-staffed you know and we we use third parties we're like how do we get to the front of the line so they said offer a scholarship i'm like what's the scholarship like the guy's like, you could do a thousand. I, I said, what, what's a great scholarship? He said, $3,500. So we offered a hundred people, $3,500. And guess what? We got them, but we wouldn't have done things like that before. Um, but at Omni, it's really about, we need the talent to recreate the service experience because we don't want to abandon our service model. We don't want to become a limited service hotel company. You know, during, during the pandemic in some of our own hotels, you know, we didn't have any food and beverage open. So I'm like, I can't get to San Francisco at 10 o'clock at night and I can't get a sandwich and I can't get a cup of coffee in the morning. And we're charging our guests $350 a night. You can't do that and sustain it for the long term. So it's all about how to how to get service back to where it was and make sure that we maintain our service edge. And we're a lot more willing to try a lot more things to do that. I have a question on that in a moment. But Mark, I want to pass over to you to see if you have any thoughts on some of what's going to share here. 
Um, I mean, I, I think that to Joy's point, people are throwing things against the wall to see what sticks. I do think, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot more conversation going on uh, with the employees around what it's going to take. This is more once you have them um, to help them be productive and connected. Um, and and what what are ways in which they can feel proud to work at the company and proud to be part of something kind of bigger. Um, you know, I take my daughter, for example, at, at four days where she works. Um, there's a lot that they're doing um, both locally and across the country to, to get involved in some of what's going on in the country relative to the challenges we're having, whether it be around um, you know, having uh, a gay pride line in June or whether it's to, um, I mean, one of the things clearly that's been going around the last few weeks is the conversation around what, what can the company do to help uh, address the issues and challenges of women's rights. Um, and you saw a lot of companies that stepped up and basically informed extent that you need any women's health services that are no longer available for you in your state we will uh, step up and provide you the travel and the time off in order to take care of whatever those needs are uh, and, and get that service for you so um, I, I'm, I'm finding from a humanity perspective that companies are stepping up where government is not necessarily um, and, and, and not representing the ideals and the needs and wants of, of the individuals. Um, and, you know, we went through this a lot when I was at Airbnb and at Allbirds around how do you focus on the issues, not the politics? And how do you figure out a way to support your employees around the situations and challenges that are going on? Um, in a way that's authentic to your company and your company's values. And it's not trying to drive more business. It's trying to figure out how do you help people emotionally, spiritually, physically, uh, through all these challenges that are coming up against us. I mean, I remember when I was at, uh, at Airbnb, it was when Trump put in the travel ban and the immigration issues and challenges and, you know, if you're a company that's creating a world where anyone can belong anywhere, and then all of a sudden people can't travel or see their loved ones, or uh, and and decisions are being made based on the color of people's skin or their country of origin, it was amazing to me to see how um, our employees stepped up in ways. Now, granted, we we gave our employees four hours of bond, paid time off to volunteer a month. A month, and we made volunteering part of our onboarding process, as Joy mentioned. Um, all of our employees together, the first week that they were on, went to the San Francisco Food Bank just to show them how important it was this idea of volunteering. Yeah. And then we actually volunteered with our hosts in the communities in which we operated, and we asked them, "What is it that is important to you?" And we would. Um, then have our employees work with our hosts and give back to the communities in which they operate. So really breaking down the barriers between employees, hosts, guests, community. 
Um, and so there's, there's so many ways in which you can, and, 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 and to be honest, I, I, this came from my time with the Haas's and the, and the, um, the, I'm sorry, the Haas's at Levi's and, and um, Dom and Doris Fisher at the, at the, at the Gap. Um, I was on the Gap board, kind of uh, foundation board. And I remember sitting with Don and Doris in meetings and they said, I, I, I want to know what's the percentage of our people that are out volunteering? You know, I don't want to know how much PR we're getting for it. And I want to know how can we leverage their expertise to help those who are less fortunate in order to be able to give back in the world where we are. And I actually had an amazing experience. They had something called Community Core where we uh, we rewarded our, our our best volunteers each year with a Community Core trip. Either one was domestic and one was international. And I took a team of people down to Guatemala and we built homes with Habitat for Humanity. We even had like part-time employees from a Banana Republic store, you know, all the way up to, you know, whatever level people were. And we went out and rolled up our sleeves and, and helped build these homes. And in the evenings, we had conversations around how proud people were working for a company that let them give back and, and encouraged them to give back and rewarded them for giving back. So I think with as screwed up as the world is, and, and Joy mentioned this as well, they do this at Omni, but finding ways to give people a sense of purpose, regardless of what your job is, your economic situation is, um, is really important. And it's an even more important role of companies now, A, because it's hard to attract people, and B, because it's they're not getting it from, from the other systems that we used to have a lot of trust in. So that was, you kind of read my mind where I was going to go with my last question there, Mark, with that statement. I mean, how, how do we prepare leaders? How do we prepare leaders of tomorrow, you know, of tomorrow, tomorrow to, to, to prepare in this way? I mean, it, it's, it, it's a different, it's a major shift. I mean, I think a lot of executives are struggling with the right balance of, of, of activism, for lack of a better term, of, of being an active participant and contributor on some of these causes and missions and minding as a steward the core business fundamentals and how do we how do we how do we educate the next level of leadership around that so that there is systems that we can that we can call from or, or build on and i think you're right right now we are seeing kind of erosion of of traditional systems that we've historically relied on and now we but but there's still wisdom and value in this right so how do we bring some of that forward and how do we how we build forward from that, that and what role do companies and specifically around education for certain communities for recruiting talent how do we how are you seeing companies respond to that right now and, and both either at omni or just in the companies that you're serving and, and seeing how the market works yeah what what we've tried to do um our owners have a foundation and and they were very private about where you know, what causes they were supporting and all of that. And, yeah. and a few years ago, we said, you know, we, we have an annual company conference. We said, why don't, why don't you talk about some of the causes and where your money's going? And, and, and so they did, they did it in a really unique way. And, and they basically stood up and said, when you, the hotels, make more money, 
it allows us to do this. And we invited this organization, it's called the International Justice Mission, and they, they actually go around the world and rescue women that are sex trafficked. And it's like a, it's almost like a commando operation, but they also have an arm that stays, um, stays in the community and tries to cha change the law so that people get prosecuted and women have protection. Like it's, a, it's a, it's an international organization. I'd never heard of it. I didn't know we gave money to it. Nobody in the room did. And it was astounding. And so the, the response was so overwhelming to our leaders that now we're, we're doing that with regularity. So every quarter we bring, we bring someone into our corporate office, the, the foundation supporting, they talk about the cause, they talk about how you could get involved if you wanted to. Um, we tried to be, we're buying our coffee from a company called West Rock that cuts out the middleman. And this year at our annual conference, they, they brought in uh, a group called Mercy Street that's, that's Texas-based, but they, they, they take kids that are unemployable or have made a big mistake in life and, and try to put them on a path. And they spoke, but I think the most moving thing was they brought a man from Colombia that's growing the coffee beans that are in the Omni Hotel banquet crafts and guest rooms. And it just, it, it's an enormous sense of pride, but it also makes people think I'm not just making money for somebody. I'm making money for someone that's in turn helping the world. And, and I think young people today want to work for companies that have a social mission and have a greater cause. And I, I think it's an incredibly powerful part of our story. And it, it's, yeah. it, it, but I had to, I had to coax to say, let's, let's be more open about what we're doing, but it's, it's, just giving people an enormous sense of pride. And, and I think it's a really important part of the employment story. That's amazing. Thank you, Joy. So I'm going to ask this question. What, how would you, you know, we think about the, the great shift. What, what is it? I mean, we've talked about a lot of different factors, right? So like, if you were just to, to name it right now, like, because I think we're all still, I mean, this last couple of years has been part of it. It's almost still like the lead up to, in a sense, oddly, which is, I mean, we, to your point, Mark, this has been prolonged uncertainty. People are adapting different ways. There's the, there's the business context. There's the convergence of all these other challenges that just seem to keep coming and coming and coming and coming. What, what is, to you personally, what is the shift that you're feeling or sensing or, or contributing to right now? in your lives and your, your personal lives and your work, like how do you define it right now? Let's think about that for a minute. Yeah. I mean, I get, I personally, I guess I would say the shift ironically is towards this idea of, of humanity and of, of having the, 
opportunity to live and work outside of the U.S. for a couple of years and um, being able to travel there both personally and professionally, having a daughter who's living there now. Um, there's a sense of civility that exists, particularly in Europe. I mean, I can speak personally about France. Um, it really honors an individual um, as a member of a family and as a person whose life is full and work is part of that. But it's not as we have for so many years in the U.S. to be um, living to work and having work be the thing that does consume most of our time, but it shouldn't com consume most of our life. And so I'm hoping that the learnings that we have and the shift is towards um, being more open-minded to listen and learn of, of, of a couple of things. One is it's no more one size fits all. You know, HR leaders, we used to always try and figure out what's the program we're going to have that's going to solve this for everyone. And I think we've understand we've understood now there's a lot of diversity um, in many, many aspects of people's lives and that we need to solve the challenges individually and listen and learn and have programs that allow individuals to access different things to pace, depending on, you know, many aspects of their life. And then the, the second thing is really around then how do we find ways to uh, help people be engaged and productive, but also to help throughout all aspects of their life, not just not just the driving them to work harder, faster, longer, et cetera. And I think that all the things we've talked about on this call are driving us in that direction. Some are coming kicking and screaming, and others have been thinking this way for a long time. But I think, as I said at the outset, I think the companies that ignore this and try to pretend like nothing happened and nothing's changed are going to have the hardest time attracting and keeping their employees. And so I'm inspired by, hopefully, the fact that all of these learnings will help us to find a way to be more human and create more yeah. humanity in people's lives and at work. And even at work means something completely yeah. different now. Well said. Yeah, I, I, I would have to say, I mean, I feel a sense of optimism that I probably haven't felt in a year and a half. Um, but it really started at the beginning of this year. But I also have the advantage of having two um, adult children that both one's about to graduate from law school and the other one um, just started a job with Procter & Gamble this week. And I have the unique ability to look at the workforce through their eyes and what's important mm -hmm. to them. And I would tell you social justice, flexibility, um, embracing a person's whole being, whole self, whatever that looks like, that is of paramount importance. And, and when I see the companies that they chose embracing those things and how important it is to them that they did embrace those things. It just tells me that's, that's the new worker. It's not yeah. the people I've been working with for the last 40 years. It, 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 there's a totally new workplace proposition. And I agree with Mark. 
The companies that recognize it and get on board with it are going to be fine. And the companies that are trying to live in the past are, are going to be left in the dust. Yeah. Well said. I, I, just to kind of my thoughts on this as we wrap it, I think we're recognizing this shift towards limitless truth, for lack of a better term, right? So there's a pursuit of truth at, 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 all, at all levels of our society, in people's lives and organizational lives, and a shedding of what were perceived or would have been defined as limits in old truths at the same time, right? And I think that is really what we're, what we're all feeling is what is this? It's, it's moving toward an unknown of possibilities. I, I agree with you, Joy, on the optimism that, you know, we're being, we're, we're being asked as a collective to look at ourselves and what we've been doing and how we've been doing it. What's, what has worked and why and what has not worked and why. And for us, to your point, Mark, to really start to openly talk about and, and to embrace the diversity of all of those to find, find those, those mesh points and create, Create create new things that are better for more people, and I and I think your point, Joe. I mean, we're literally redefining what it means to be a hotel business, right? Yeah. You're, you're redefining what what is the truth of hotel service, and what is what is the future of that, right? We're looking at new businesses using technology. I think, and and again, from my hat, I think we're being asked to really find what does it mean to truly act and lead and serve to a place of love in the context of business. And I think that's really what we're all moving towards right now. So mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate both of you sharing your time and your expertise and your, your decades of experience, but also just your, your tender heart and, and humanness, humanity on this call with each other. Since I know you didn't really know each other before this call. Yeah. <laughs> and this has been a really kind of deep conversation for, for quote unquote strangers. Uh, and I think it's a, it's such an example of why we're doing this and what we're doing. So thank you for, leaning into this experiment and I think it shows, you know, what's possible here. So I ought to Thanks for inviting us. Thanks for having us. It was really fun. And for the rest of our audience, thank you for joining us as always. And we'll look forward to seeing you on the next Troubles of the Heart. And Joy and Mark look forward to welcoming you officially into our our community. Thank you. Mm